Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Taylor Shaw Business? First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the alleged crime, then offer my analysis. Taylor Denise Shaw Business was born on November 23, 1997, and was raised in Wisconsin. Her last name was originally Coronado, but in 2018, she legally changed it to Shaw Business. Taylor had some negative contact with law enforcement in the state of Wisconsin. On December 9, 2019, she was pulled over for driving on a suspended license. She eventually pleaded no contest. On June 22, 2020, Taylor was arrested for battery or threat to a judge, prosecutor, or law enforcement officer and resisting or obstructing an officer. She pleaded no contest to the battery charge, and the resisting charge was dismissed. On August 10, 2020, not even two months later, Taylor was arrested for bail jumping and resisting or obstructing an officer. Both charges were dismissed. On August 31, 2020, which was just 21 days later, Taylor was arrested for fleeing or eluding an officer, bail jumping, possession of drug paraphernalia, and resisting or obstructing an officer. She was convicted of the fleeing charge and the resisting charge, but the other two charges were dismissed. In addition to an exciting criminal life, Taylor had an adventurous romantic life. She was involved in a romantic relationship with a man named Shad Thyreon. He had been born in Green Bay, Wisconsin on September 7, 1997, just a couple months before Taylor was born. Shad was described as a talented artist who liked woodworking, camping, and games. Now moving to the timeline of the alleged crime. On February 21, 2022, at about 9.30 p.m., Taylor picked up Shad from his mother's residence. Taylor, Shad, and a friend who has not been identified obtained drugs and traveled to an apartment on Eastman Avenue. All three of them smoked marijuana. Taylor and Shad smoked methamphetamine, and Taylor injected herself and her lover with trazodone. Sometime late on February 21 or early on February 22, Taylor and Shad made their way to the home of Shad's mother. The couple went into the basement with the intent of having sex. Apparently, choking was part of their routine. They used metal chains to achieve this goal. Shad moved into a position face down on the bed, and Taylor choked him with a chain. She continued choking him well beyond what they normally would have done. Shad's face turned purple, and he was coughing up blood. 
Eventually, Shad died of strangulation. Taylor said that she played with the dead body for two or three hours afterward. She then used three different knives from the kitchen to dismember Shad. One was a serrated bread knife. Taylor placed his head and member in a bucket. Other parts would be discovered in a crockpot box, plastic shopping bags, and in a plastic storage container. Taylor left the house after killing her lover, probably on February 23, sometime between 2.30 a.m. and 3 a.m. This is when Shad's mother woke up after hearing a storm door slamming. She then heard a motor vehicle outside and assumed that it was Taylor leaving. Shad's mother investigated to see if her son was still in the house. She walked down into the basement and discovered the bucket containing the parts. Shad's mother immediately contacted the police and reported what she found. She also mentioned that Taylor shop business had been at the house. The police found Taylor at a residence on Eastman Avenue sometime on the morning of February 23. They noticed that Taylor had dried blood on her clothing, and they found the box for the crockpot, which contained a leg and a foot. The police asked Taylor if she knew why they were there. She could have just said, it's none of your shop business, but instead she responded with something like, because the warrant for my arrest. The police explained to her how the head of her lover had been found at a residence in Green Bay. Taylor responded, that is pretty blanked up, and admitted being at the scene of the homicide. The police asked her what happened. She responded, that is a good question, and said that she blacked out while she was in the basement. Taylor talked about how strangulation was part of the routine with her lover. They had done that before. She mentioned that the rest of the body was in the basement and told the police that they were going to have fun trying to find all the organs. Taylor then supplied the police with the details about how she carried out the homicide and what she did after that. She indicated that she just went crazy and strangled Chad. He attempted to fight back, but she managed to kill him anyway. As far as the strangulation, Taylor suggested that she had already gone so far, therefore she just kept going. Taylor mentioned how she enjoyed the activity. At one point, she lowered her voice and said, Yeah, I liked it. She asked the police if they knew what it was like to love something so much that they killed it. Taylor's plan was to bring all the parts with her when she departed the residence, but she became lazy and only loaded a leg and foot into the minivan that she was using. She did not remember to take the head with her. Taylor said, quote, I can't believe I left the head, though, unquote. Taylor suggested that she wasn't prepared for a cleanup because the killing was random. Ohio is a land of mystery, from missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. 
I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. Taylor Sub Business was charged with three offenses, including first-degree intentional homicide. She pleaded not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. Taylor was assessed by a mental health professional in November of 2022. The clinician determined that she was capable of proceeding with her case. She did not lack the mental capacity to understand what was going on. During a hearing in January of 2023, the same clinician said that certain behaviors exhibited by Taylor could be a sign of psychosis. For example, smiling out of context and launching human waste at other jail inmates. It sounds like Taylor's fondness for frequently furnishing and flinging feces may fade the feasibility of her winning the jail's cellmate of the year award. Taylor was in court again on February 14, 2023. Her attorney asked for an extension in order to prove that Taylor was not competent to stand trial. He wanted another mental health expert to assess Taylor. During the hearing, Taylor's hands were handcuffed in front of her, but this did not prevent her from physically attacking her attorney in the courtroom. Taylor gave new meaning to the phrase, motion to strike. A bailiff managed to subdue Taylor. Later, her attorney asked to withdraw from the case. I wonder what happened. Was it something that Taylor said? It's worth noting that her attorney also could have filed a complaint with the Better Shaw Business Bureau. Taylor's trial has been pushed back to May 15, 2023. Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. At the time making this video, Taylor enjoys the presumption of innocence, but I think the case against her is pretty strong. For example, parts of her victim were found in the vehicle she was using. There were cuts and scratches on Taylor's arms. She had been using methamphetamine and she confessed to the murder. Item number two, Taylor had accumulated quite a few criminal charges before she was arrested for murder. She was never given a serious penalty for her behavior. The longest sentence she received was three months in jail. It's not clear why she was given so many chances. In addition, the courts missed an opportunity to evaluate her mental health symptoms, which brings me to item number three. Taylor's attorney said that Taylor was treated for mental health issues starting in the seventh grade, and at some point she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I think it's also possible that she had some difficulties in the area of substance use, considering that she was using methamphetamine and other drugs. It sounds like Taylor was caught in a downward spiral of drug use, sensation-seeking, and danger. It was just a matter of time before something terrible happened. Despite this, her alleged homicidal behavior was unexpected. This killing did not appear to be provoked, and it was particularly brutal in nature. Most women who commit homicide do not use strangulation and do not separate their victim into multiple pieces afterward. This takes me to item number four. What could have led to Taylor's behavior? Mental health symptoms associated with bipolar disorder, like psychosis, 
could have played a part in this alleged murder, but another possibility would be methamphetamine. This drug is a highly addictive central nervous system stimulant. A drug like methamphetamine can have an association with violence in a few different ways. One, it can cause violence through competition, like drug dealers killing each other in order to protect their territories. This is referred to as systemic violence. Two, it can cause violence through drug users committing crimes in order to obtain money to finance the cost of drugs. This is called economic compulsive violence. And three, it can cause violence in the drug user by changing their mental state. This is called pharmacological violence. In this case, there is no evidence that Taylor's alleged crime involved the first two factors. She wasn't a drug dealer and she wasn't trying to obtain money for drugs. But the third factor is a possibility. Perhaps Taylor's mental state was altered by the methamphetamine. Researchers have argued that methamphetamine is a neurotoxin that produces a number of mental health symptoms, including irritability, paranoia, anxiety, fatigue, depression, hypersomnia, psychosis, and aggression. It does have an association with homicide, although it's not clear that this is a causal relationship. It may just be a correlation. The drug has a reputation for converting typical everyday interactions into dangerous situations. That's what could have happened with Taylor. She was involved in a regular activity with her lover. It was regular for them anyway. And she was unable to navigate the interaction without involving homicide. Perhaps this was a situation where methamphetamine combined with pre-existing mental health conditions like psychosis and led to the perfect storm of homicide. Now moving to my final item, number five. There are a few factors that don't make a lot of sense in this case, but one that really stands out is the lack of motivation to carry out homicide. Taylor did not appear to be angry at her lover. She wasn't interested in his property. She didn't mention being ordered by demons to kill him or anything like that. There was no indication whatsoever that she was interested in homicide. It's almost like she just felt like strangling her lover out of the blue. She was curious to see what would happen. Taylor seemed incredibly relaxed considering the nature of her behavior, almost like it was just shop business as usual. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Allegedly is back for season two, a new crime every time. In each episode of Allegedly, you'll hear a crime told to you by the person who experienced it, intermingled with actor portrayals, original music, immersive soundscapes, to create a cinematic experience for your ear. Season two's stories include a young woman finding salvation in God, only to realize the leader of her church was running a sex cult. A case of a con artist swindling a kindly older man until he couldn't do anything to stop her. A landlord exploiting a mentally disabled man and keeping him a virtual prisoner. An act of bullying spinning a promising young man's life into total chaos. And a luxury boat captain inexplicably detained in a foreign prison with seemingly no hope of ever getting out. 
New episodes release every other week. Look for Allegedly from Voyage Media anywhere you listen to podcasts.